Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. I'm your host, Richie. Joining me, as always, is Matt. Today, we're going to talk about the AL Central prospects, and next week is going to be the MLB draft. So next week, we'll be breaking down what happened. And with that comes a little bit of trade rumors and the trade deadline approaching. So to kick off our show, we're going to start with some trades that recently happened in Matt's and my Dynasty League, kind of break down what we see from both aspects, each side, what they did, what they were hoping to accomplish, and then we'll break into the AL Central prospects. But first, Matt, how are you doing? Welcome. It's 4th of July tomorrow. For our listeners, they're probably going to be listening on the 5th or later, but do you have any plans? What's going on? Yeah, we are uh, going to see Tyler Solderstrom, um, and I say that as opposed to the A's AAA affiliate because it's literally just Tyler Solderstrom that uh, is watchable at this point. We're going to go see that game tonight. <clears throat> they have a nice little fireworks show, so the, the, the nice ladies actually want to go and sit in 100-degree weather and watch some baseball, so that should be a good time, and uh, yeah, and then tomorrow is just a full day of baseball. Yeah, you got to take them up on that offer if you get the women to join in on a baseball game take that full advantage especially in the heat that'll be fun i'm a little jealous i'd have yet to be to a go to a minor league game so i'd be interested in going i'd love to see the uh timber what is it the timber rattlers for is that beloit the milwaukee brewers no uh, i think it's appleton okay it's their high a affiliate for the milwaukee brewers there used to be go. one in beloit that was uh that was back when fielder was in the minor leagues i think that was a ball um hmm. and it may or may not still be a team you know it's hard to tell that's almost 25 years ago at this point yeah i'm not sure um i, I want to say they did but maybe that was before they switched everything and they had the complex leagues i don't even remember the the former structure they had i think it was pre-covid now but anyways you'll have to let me know what you think of sorcerum in person and if he lives up to the hype that you're that's surrounding him i'm curious about that yeah, it was fun. We did. Uh, if, if you're just listening now and you missed our al west we had sorcerum as a faller which you look at the average, you know, there's some questionable um, underlying statistics, but the kid's 21. So over the last week, I've been giving you a hard time about uh, Tyler Solestrom because I've just been saying Ty. You think I'm saying thank you. <laughs> I've been giving you a hard time because I say your priorities as being a father are uh, misplaced and you need to focus on what really matters, which is fantasy baseball, and you disagree, and it's just this fun little game we have. <laughs> Hey, we're still podcasting and we're yeah. still uh, yeah. we're still uncovering the diamonds in the rough for all our listeners. So I, I still got I still got it. Still got it. All right. With that being said, let's break down some trades that recently happened. There's been quite a few. I just went back in the last two weeks. Let's start with the one you and I made last night, and I gave you resource and you gave me Jason Dominguez. And truth be told, the real reason why this happened was we were talking off the air about prospects that we wanted. And I just bluntly said, I'm not beating around the bush. I was like, I'm going to go pick up Kobe Mayo. Um, he's been on fire. And you were like, God damn it. I was going to go grab him, but I have to drop Jason Dominguez. And I was like, well, I'm only putting a dollar in and you're higher on priority. So good luck. You're going to have him." And you pretty much just told me, well, would you pick up Jason Dominguez? I said, yeah, if you pick up Mayo, I'd probably put a waiver wire claim in for Jason Dominguez the following day. So 
that's what led to me trading you Reese Olsen for Jason Dominguez. Yeah, it really um, was. It was really Kobe Mayo for Jason Dominguez when you pretty like, much yeah. strip it down. Um, and I, I think from both cases, there are question marks, right? Kobe Mayo, a little at 21, so a little bit older than Dominguez, both saying at this playing at the same level, double A. Dominguez not having a bad season if you strip out the average. Um, average is about 200, but he's showcasing that speed and power. Mayo showcasing that raw power, showcasing the ability to develop as a hitter, starting to definitely show that he can be an all-around player. Um, but I think, you know, when you talk about needs, both of these players will probably be utility players for us. Best case scenario, you know, they fill an outfield in a third base slot. And um, I think it's, I think they're probably both top 75 prospects for me, at least. I think Dominguez still holds that. that. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But definitely you a small trade. You have to remember that Jason Dominguez is only 20 years old at double A. Yep. So I'm giving him a pass for that. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's struggling a little bit, but he's still a generational talent. We'll see how long the leash is for him for me. But Kobe Mayo at double A, batting 313, 17 home runs. I'm trying to pull up the last 10 games alone. He has five home runs. So he's been on a torrid pace, three hits in the last game, seven total bases. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on absolute fire right now. I think he's ready for AAA. And honestly, I wanted to grab him, not only because he was hot, but I think he could be a candidate candidate to get traded at the yeah. deadline for some pitching. He's hot. They don't have room. They just called up Jordan Westberg. Um, they have Connor Norby down there, um, Jackson Holiday. So, like, that left side of the, the diamond bat, or diamond is already covered. They don't need him. They could easily move him. Well, he profiles. Um, he profiles more as a first baseman of the future. Of the future. He's six five, so the thought is, you know, with the with the influx of talent that Baltimore is having, and again, we talk about Baltimore a lot, is you know where does he play? As you just said, and I think too with the trade option, you know, we've talked many times about that ballpark. I want him out of Baltimore. I want him, you know, with the Nationals or with a team that may have a more friendly hitting environment because. Right-handed batters are not at an advantage in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, especially when they move back those fences. Let's move on now to a different trade, and this is a trade between the Mavin Goose Danger Zone and New York Strikeout Exchange. And the main piece in this, from a dynasty perspective, is Yuri Perez. So one team traded away Charlie Morton, Carlos Correa, and Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez, I believe, is a dollar and very controllable in our format. Charlie Morton is expensive, but is a good strikeout machine on a great team in the Atlanta Braves. Carlos Correa is just a piece. I think he's a, a fill-in for the other team when we talk about what package they got in return. So the other side is Chris Bassett, Will Smith, the catcher, and Trey Turner, shortstop. So the team who gave up Yuri Perez, they were hurting at catcher. They were constantly playing the waiver wire. So they solidify catcher with Will Smith. I don't even know who they had at shortstop. I think they were just subbing in players left and right. So Trey Turner's instant upgrade. And I take Chris Bassett. He's somewhat controllable in our league, but he's a replacement for Yuri Perez and Charlie Morton. Now we flip on the other side, the team that gave up Chris Bassett, Will Smith, and Trey Turner. 
they have Henry Davis. So I spoke with this owner after the trade. He is very confident in Henry Davis. I have question marks as I do with any rookie player that comes up and has a scorching hot bat is what happens when there's film? What happens when they uncover holes in your swing? Do you hit a cold streak and can you rebound from that? But there's yet to be seen. Henry Davis was a first overall pick. As far as shortstop goes, they can they can lose Trey Turner. They have Fernando Tatis. They also get Carlos Correa in return to sub him in. And ultimately, you get Yuri Perez. So it seems that the New York strikeout exchange was working for a win in the future with Yuri Perez. Uh, however, they are competing for the playoffs. So it is a little bit questionable from the standpoint of you're going for a championship and you gave up a lot of pieces to get a controllable arm. So I kind of broke it down quite a bit. Do you have anything else you want to say on this trade, Matt? You know, it's interesting. I I think with the way our league is structured um, and with the way these two teams are structured, when it comes to New York strikeout exchange, I don't like giving up current talent when you are not the best team in the league. I think as it stands right now, you're probably the best team. I think New York strikeout exchange probably is the second best team um, when you just look at the paper and, you know, per week uh, points scored and Trey Turner, I still expect to turn it around. So you're trading him before his full production hits. You know, if he's at like a three, two per game right now, I'd expect him to be at a four, two, four, three rest of season, because at the end of the day, I really do believe that these superstars end up having a total slash line that is more representative of of what we expected of them. And we're getting to the hotter months in Philadelphia. So, you know, you could see Trey Turner going an absolute toward pace the rest of the season. And now you're starting Carlos Correa or Fernando Tatis at that position. And then you're taking an outfield hit. Uh, And then Will Smith, I also just don't think giving up one of the best catchers in the game for an unproven rookie is something that I'm comfortable with, knowing that there are maybe only five or six catchers in fantasy baseball right now that I'm comfortable starting. So I don't love that. Um, it kind of kind of throws me the wrong way because I, I do believe in seasons that you have an opportunity, you go for it. Like Yuri Perez, uh, we did talk about a trade he made earlier in the year where he gave up um, Cabrera from Miami. This is essentially Cabrera for Yuri when you really look at all the details. So he upgraded there, but it does not help his chances at beating you in the playoffs. Yeah, it has yet to be seen. I am curious. Uh, I do like this trade for Mavin Goose. They had an embarrassment of riches. They were deep at starting pitchers, so they could afford the loss of Yuri Perez. You get the upgrade at catcher. You get the upgrade at shortstop. Can they compete all the way through? They are a team that likes to stream their double starts because we are a weekly format. So it'll be interesting. I think this levels out the playing field a little bit. Let's move on. We've got two more trades to talk about before we get into the AL Central. It is a trade you made, and it was Shane Bieber for Christian Encarnacion Strand. With a little bit of foreshadowing, Encarnacion Strand was involved in the trade that I made, which is the one we will talk about after. But give the listeners a breakdown on what you were thinking and what motivated you to give up on Shane Bieber. Yeah, I mean, uh, I lost a weekly matchup. It essentially eliminated me from playoff contention. Um, you know, I've been shopping Bieber around most of the season, wasn't really getting much value there. Perceived value for Bieber is he has one year left on his contract. He's an expensive player. My hope was that he would have been traded to a Houston uh, or a New York 
or possibly a Texas Rangers organization before our fantasy trade deadline, and I would be able to move him with higher value. And I just got tired of waiting. Uh, in a rebuild, I like to have two or three players at a position of need, knowing that going into the next season, I can pick which one will be my starter. And first base was a little bit weak, having Torkelson for about a year and a half now, not having the value, having him be a little more expensive than he should be. I was like Christian Encarnacio Strands, a really good opportunity for me to cash in on first base as well as third base and hopefully get ahead of uh, a really you know weak position going into next season. Yeah, I, I do like me some Christian Encarnacio Strand, as you know. And I think it makes the right move as you're not looking – too hopeful for this year for the playoffs so might as well take a shot for next year let's move on now to a trade that i made and it's going to be a mouthful but the players i received are vladimir guerrero blake snell and luis severino the players i gave up were pete alonzo luis matos ronnie mauricio and christian encarnacion strand so on the surface it doesn't make too much sense but when you take into context what our dynasty league is Pete Alonso has one more year left on his contract, I believe at $28. So I give him up. I get Vlad Guerrero, but he has no more contract space left, so I have to let him go. He is completely a free agent, so I'm taking a risk on a rental, but I am in a win-now mode. I also get Blake Snell and Luis Severino. Blake Snell, love him. I think his second-half production is well worth it. This is a team that was looking like they weren't going to have a chance at the playoffs. So they were also thinking about rebuilding. So they also get Luis Matos, Ronnie Mauricio, Encarnacion Strand, all prospects um, that have enormous ceilings, yet to be known what their floors are, but they're all a dollar. Give up Blake Snell, who's expensive. I think he went for $37 in our draft or something like that. Same with Luis Severino, $30. So that owner that traded him to me, traded both those players to me, knows that they are complete rentals for me and probably will be available come the off season. Severino, I was taking a chance, rolling the dice, hoping that he just needed to get built up like the spring training. Maybe his lats not fully healed. I think he is healthy. I think what the reports are is he doesn't have a good feel for his slider yet. His fastball is back up to velocity. He's got a good feel for his change. It's his slider. It's just not performing. But if he can figure it out, I think maybe we can get his potential back. But for what I was trying to accomplish, I got Blake Snell and Vlad Guerrero, and having Luis Severino was just the cherry on the top for me to go all in. Matt, anything you want to add on my trade other than you poaching Christian Encarnacion Strand after I traded him? Well, when you look at the context, too, of, of the Encarnacion Strand deal, um, you know, the manager that you traded with was the one who to beat me in that week. So, you know, they went from rebuilding to, hey, I still have a chance. Um, you know, acquiring Bieber for them was like, Hey, I like, I can probably move Bieber in three weeks. Let's just do this. And I think from your perspective, you know, you, you talk about upgrades, pitching depth and in our league, pitching depth is key, especially as you get to the playoffs, as you have managers that are willing to go out there and put a nine start week at you because of streaming options. So I think having that depth gives you a little more flexibility come playoff time, um, and gets ahead of the rest of the competition at the deadline. They're looking to acquire pitching. Now that there's really not much else out there. So you kind of cornerstone the market. And I think that's something that's really important to think about before deadlines hit in leagues is get out in front of things, 
and make you know make other teams and other managers really scramble and have to sometimes give up more than they would have liked because there's not much left out there. Absolutely. You got to get ahead of the curve. So those are all the trades that have gone down in our league. Maybe gives the listeners some ideas of what you can offer, what you can look for if you're in a dynasty league as your trade deadline is approaching. Let's move on now to the AL Central prospects. We start off with the Detroit Tigers. We have some risers. We have some fallers. I'll give the list, the listeners the list, and you can break them down. For risers, for the Tigers, we have Colt Keith, pitcher Wilmer Flores, catcher Dylan Diggler, and then for fallers, we have Jace Young, Justin Henry Malloy, and Jackson Joby. Matt. Go through this list. Tell us what you're seeing. What makes these guys risers and fallers? Yeah, the AL Central wasn't nearly as bad as the AL West was that we covered last week. But some of these names that we have mentioned today and listed, um, especially for Detroit, when you look at like just baseline numbers of Jace Jung and Justin Henry Malloy, you know the thing national uh, consensus is that these are guys that prospect ears are excited about. When I got to get into the, like deeper numbers last night, I really started to see some concerning stats that. Um, had has ultimately left them as fallers for me. So we'll get to the fallers in a minute. Risers, Colt Keith, there's been a lot of notoriety on him. We've talked about him at length throughout the last month. The 14 home runs in AA, five games currently in AAA, hitting 412, two home runs. I, I think the call is imminent. I think we see Colt at some point this season. Um, you know, But at the end of the day, we've seen the concerns of Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson with lack of production at the major league level. I really need to see a Detroit Tigers prospect hit before I start really feeling comfortable with a can't miss. I think Colt Keith is a very good player who has the potential to be possibly the most productive out of the gate, especially after seeing the uh, early AAA numbers. So Colt Keith comes in at number one for risers. Uh, number two is going to be Wilmer Flores, as you had mentioned, 22-year-old starting pitcher at AA. With a 3.65 ERA, 66 innings, 65 Ks. Um, you know, Love the flow he's got going on. Great set of hair. That's probably my number one asset for him is he looks good out there, but um, it has a track record of success. Flores, 279 ERA in 2022. Um, you're starting to see a, a good ability to put away batters. I think this could be a three or a four in this rotation once all said and done and once you have Scooball and Mayas and Manning back into this rotation. I think that Flores fights Manning for that third spot um, if Rodriguez ends up getting moved. So really like him, want to keep an eye on him. And then three is uh, Dylan Diggler, catcher, 24 years old, double A. He's hitting 282 with a 552 slug, 12 home runs. And the reason he's rising for me is Diggler had a good start to the uh, first half last year, kind of fell off in the second half, was getting notoriety in that first half, and I think kind of lost his allure as uh, he had a, a like sluggish second half. So 238 average in 2022, you're seeing a, almost a 50-point jump in 2023. And the 12 home runs showcasing power, especially at a weak position of catcher. I think we've had a lot of catchers hit the, the fantasy wire lately with Bo Naylor, Allie Rutschman, um, you know, Henry Davis. Like This is a name as well to keep an eye on. If they can get Colt Heath up and get Torkelson and Riley hitting, you could have a pretty potent young lineup. So those are my three risers. Uh, a couple notables, Troy Meldon, 22 High A, 12 games started, 48 innings, 56 Ks with a 2.79 ERA. He was someone that came through some of the models I was looking through last night. And then a relief pitcher, 
Uh, Tyler Madison, 23 years old, double A, 29 innings, 50 strikeouts, has started two games, so it looks like they may have messed around a little bit with trying to get him stretched out, but I think he is a long-term reliever. <clears throat> Just a couple names, again, to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. Yeah, and for Wilmer Flores, I like what I see from him. I'm a, If I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed in his strikeout rate. He had 130 and 103 innings last year, somebody that popped up on my radar, radar last year. Only seeing 65 strikeouts in the 66 and two-thirds, I'm a little disappointed in that. Um, I was expecting him to take a bigger leap, but I still think he is a riser amongst prospect rankings altogether. I'm hoping he can make it to AAA at some point this season, hopefully in the near future. But I kind of was hoping that he might have ascended to the MLB level with the other prospects that started at AA this year. We're talking about Andrew Abbott and Emmett Sheehan and all those other guys. I was hoping Wilmer Flores would be a part of that group, but hopefully he can progress a little bit more yeah and i and i think you know ultimately you have to think about you know some of the teams that you talked about it being in a level of contention and the tigers oh, yeah, absolutely you know, struggling on offense and not wanting to rush development and i think that's a big problem the tigers are having is they feel as though they rushed green and torkelson which i don't necessarily think they rushed them i think they promoted them at level um at the proper level it's just you know they were young and now the organization is thinking to themselves, okay, we, we have to pump the brakes on this development. And sometimes you, you get in your head. So uh, Flora is definitely a guy in the second half we want to see strikeout numbers climb for, though. I definitely agree with you on that. All right, let's move on now to the fallers. I mentioned it earlier, but we have Jace Young, Justin Henry Malloy, and Jackson Joby. Matt, which one of these has been the most disappointing for you? I think it's probably Jung. Um, power has been there, and that's something that I actually didn't expect coming into 2023. And we've seen 13 home runs from him this season. So for that fact, I understand why the prospect world is getting excited about him. But the big concern that I have is the 241 average in high A. He's 22 years old. Remember, this was a college bat being drafted with a, now a 29% K rate. And while the power is nice, and I'm hoping he's selling out for power, starting to develop that stroke, really understand how to lift and elevate the ball, and sacrificing maybe the contact while he's building that skill set, only to bring it back around with more of a balanced approach, I am concerned about the strikeout rate and the average. Uh, he's at high A, so again, level per age, he's, he's due for a, a promotion. Um, but I'm a faller on Jung just because of all those you know underlying uh, variables that I just mentioned. And the same thing can be said for Justin Henry Malloy. He's been passed up at the uh, positional depth chart for Detroit. When we were talking two months ago, this was a guy that we were like, you know, he might come up midseason. He's definitely got the opportunity and that there's, there's the job there. And lo and behold, Colt Heath just blew him out of the water. And here we are talking about Justin Henry Malloy possibly being a utility player. And a utility player with a 30% K rate is something that's of concern as well. He may end up just being a guy that you've classified as quad A. You know, he is hitting 269, 13 home runs in AAA, but I would just have to imagine Colt Heath is the guy that gets that job, keeps that job, um, and, and there's no first base option here, right? Spencer Torkelson is the first baseman of the future for Detroit. So very limited in regard to where you can play both of these guys, and I think depth matters in this position. So definitely liked Malloy earlier. Um, still don't hate him. Uh, 23 years old at AAA. So you're talking about a guy that's aged, you know, consistent, um, but definitely passed up. And then 
Third is going to be Jackson Job. Did have the injuries, and I think that's something you know to be mindful of. It wasn't an arm injury; it was a lumbar spine inflammation. So he is working his way back now. Only six and two thirds innings this season. Ten uh, Ks. I mean, fantastic slash line. But I think my big thing as to why he's a faller is because Detroit chose to take him over uh, Marcelo Meyer, Jordan Lawler, Colton Kowser, and Frank Manzicato. And all of these names are really hitting well this season, right? Meyer's tapping into his power. Lawler showcasing the ability to have an overall game of speed and power. Uh, Colton Kowser is being touted as one of the best outfield prospects. And then Manzicato is showcasing that good arm talent. And I think Manzicato is the guy to highlight here. Detroit chose to take the high school arm in Job. Frank Manzicato, also a high school arm. So I think we may look back in five to 10 years if Job doesn't work out and really say, man, they picked the wrong high school arm. Uh, I'm still very high on Jackson Job. Pitchers take a little bit longer to develop. I think we need to see what he looks like in the second half. But as of right now, he is falling for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And we talk about pitching injuries and what they do long-term. And Jackson Job definitely fill, falls in that boat for me. Let's move on to the next team for the AL Central, and that's going to be the Cleveland Guardians. We've got a list of names for you. Um, a lot of younger guys because they don't have the greatest depth, so maybe that's what they get in a Shane Bieber trade. But I'm just going to break down the, the first fallers and let Matt, you take it away. Jason Churio, Welbin Francisca, Yankee Baptiste. I don't know if I said that right. And then Yaquil <laughs> Mahares. So, Matt, take it away. These are all complex-level guys. Yeah, so these four are risers for the Guardians. Uh, took a deep dive again last night. Really went through the organization and was very disappointed with a lot of the names that we have, especially within the top 30 prospects for the Guardians. Just names that didn't get me excited. Names that I thought, realistically, maybe utility pieces. Um, you know, some of their, some of their outfield prospects just aren't hitting well this season. So I went into complex and I went into, um, some of the lower levels and, and just found some names that through short production have really provided value. And I think Churio is the big name to get excited about. It's obviously Jackson Churio's brother, younger brother, 18 years old, um, currently playing in the ACL. 14 games, batting 340, no home runs. The power is not something he's known for yet, but again, the Churios, I have to bank on the name at this point. And, and Jackson developed a little bit quicker than I think anyone else expected. So uh, definitely putting it, uh, Jason top here. Uh, Welbin Francisca is definitely the name I'm most excited about, though. This is a big-time international signing coming out with 72 at-bats, 27 hits, three home runs, and six stolen bases. DSL is very hard to gauge. But again, a name that I want to watch over the next year, year and a half, see how quickly he rises. This could be a name similar to um, uh, Junior Caminaro that we're talking about next year. We're just talking about very quick growth. And then Yankee, same thing, 42 at-bats, three home runs, five stolen bases, 18 years old. This is a shortstop at the DSL. And then uh, Mahara, this is going to be an infielder. They haven't decided or designated second, third, or short yet. 17 years old, also DSL, 59 at-bats, three home runs, five stolen bases. So a lot of DSL players, and I think the really big thing to get excited about here if you're an Indians fan is they have gone heavily into the middle infield for power production in their international signings, and it's something that we don't see in the organization. A lot, a lot of contact first players, a lot of speed and defensive-minded individuals. They've really needed to shake up the way that the organization is being ran from the hitter perspective 
the real question is can they develop these hitters to the big leagues yeah these are definitely names to keep an eye on for deeper leagues i don't think we see any of them for a couple of years but it will be interesting to see how they develop over the course of this season and into the future Let's now move on to some fallers, which are a little bit on the higher levels, double A AA and triple A. The first is George Valera. Then we have Daniel Espino. Can't seem to stay healthy ever. And then number three is Brian Rochio. Rojo. I, I can never pronounce his name. Um, but Matt, what's the most disappointing with these guys? Yeah, you said it you said it both ways I've heard. Um, I don't know that we'll, you know, I don't know that we'll have an answer to that for a few years. And I'll just start with uh, Rocio, infielder, 22 years old, AAA, was called up this year, got a cup of coffee, hitting 277 in AAA with a 364 on base percentage, two home runs. Again, not known for the power. Most of these prospects in the top 30 for the organization are not known for their power. 15 stolen bases, 15% K rate. Now, all of those numbers I like. The problem is I see Rocio as more of a utility bat, um, I almost would comp him exactly to Ahmed Rosario, who is currently their shortstop, um, and it's just underwhelming, right? We've we've been hopeful of, of Rosario to develop a skill set outside of speed at the major league level that has been fantasy relevant, and it just hasn't happened consistently. I think Rochio will be a very similar profile: good defense, a little bit of speed, makes contact, um, you know, a lot like Escobar when he was with the Brewers and and with Kansas City, a guy that is streaming if you have a very um, shallow position, but Rochio is going to be a guy that I'm not too interested in fantasy. Now, kind of moving up to Daniel Espino, this has been obviously a pitching prospect we've been excited about for a number of years now. The injuries just continue to pile up. You had the knee tendonitis, the shoulder soreness, and then the uh, the capsule tear. He's out until the middle of 2024. This is an 80-grade fastball, 70-grade slider. That is what has gotten us excited in the past. He's been moved multiple times in our Dynasty League alone in the last year and a half. But we're starting to question, is he ever actually going to get an opportunity? Does the arm talent supersede the health of the individual? And I think it's something to monitor. I think we are at one more injury, one more arm injury away from probably ruling him out as a top 100 prospect altogether, which is very, very disappointing because – Again, this was a player that we thought would provide frontline starter ability. Uh, and then wrapping up, George Valera. I have been out on him for almost a year and a half now. Um, nothing has impressed me with his profile. His swing mechanically is broken, and in my opinion, very long. Uh, has a couple hitches in it, and that has always concerned me. Batting 133 with zero home runs, 18 strikeouts in 17 games in AAA. Did have an injury, so I want to I want to notate that he hasn't had the opportunity all season to really put together the production we may be looking for. But uh, again, I've been out on him. He is not in my top 250. Yeah, just a quick note on these guys. George Valera, he's supposed to be known for his power. Gets a 60 grade on MLB Pipeline. Only one home run this year across two levels in rookie and AAA. So maybe it's that injury lagging him. But he's never been good with his batting average not since 2018 when he was in rookie ball has he batted above 260 and I mean it's just been devastating Daniel Spino I think he's going to be a reliever reminds me of Brent Honeywell that's been the comp I've been giving these pitchers lately I can't remember who I comp Brent Honeywell to last podcast or two podcasts ago Daniel Spino somebody I think of I mean, maybe he becomes their closer or they trade him. They have Emmanuel Class A, so we'll see. And then Brian Rocchio, I, I feel like he's just a better overall player defensively. 
and that plays at the MLB level compared to fantasy where we're looking for offensive production. So those are the only things I'll note on those guys. Let's move on now to the Minnesota Twins, and we have some risers that are on the lower levels again. There's a, a plethora of riches here. Andrew Cassetti, Jair Camargo, Kyleel Rosario, Daniel Pena, Marco Raya. Could have butchered a lot of those names. The one I like a lot is Khalil Rosario. Um, but Matt, I'll let you break down these players. Yeah, I think you nailed the names there. Um, and again, like the names that we're pulling today for risers for you are coming from model-based numbers, uh, kind of cross-reference with top 30 prospects with overall industry risers. And you know, within the AL Central, this is one of the, the weaker divisions. And we had to just pull some names out here that you know you may not have heard of or may not be industry darlings and i really love the catcher position for what minnesota is doing they have a um they have a fourth that i also did not mention we don't necessarily need to talk about him today but it, it's really looking like minnesota at the catching position is going to be solid for a number of years and cassetti is probably the biggest one that jumps out uh playing at a balls at 23 years old so he needs a promotion but Talking about a guy that's at a 15% walk rate, 17% strikeout rate. It looks like he's disciplined and balanced and ready to be uh, promoted in general. He has a 277 ISO, six home runs, batting 330, showcasing his ability and his dominance at that level. At 23 years old, again, it might just be an age to level where they're working on um, actual pitch framing or defensive skill set. Moving on to uh, Comanero, 24 catcher, AAA, 7% walk rate, 35% strikeout rate. So that's the concern there. His ISO is at 255, 12 home runs, batting 256. So this is a power first bat. You've seen um, some some highlights of him on pipeline. Power is there, big time power. The question is 35% K rate. Does he turn into a backup catcher? Does he turn into more of a DH option? Um, does he turn into a trade chip? But 24 years old, catching depth, definitely something to look forward to for the Twins organization. Um, and then Rosario, 21 years old, high A outfielder, 14% walk rate, 26% strikeout, 224 ISO, 12 home runs, 264. I think this is the name that the industry might catch on to being a riser over the next year. I don't know that we're going to get a lot of traction on him first, uh, first half rankings updates, but someone I'd say is more exciting than not in this organization outside of the catching prospects. Uh, coming in at four, Daniel Pena, another catching prospect. This is going to be at rookie. 10% uh, strike rate, 10% uh, walk rate, 285 ISO, 40 at-bats, three home runs. So very limited sample size. And then at five, we have Raya, 20 years old, uh, high A. This is going to be a right-handed pitcher. 11 games started, 294 ERA, 33 innings, 39 Ks, and a 192 against Richie, I think Raya is probably my organizational pitching standout. Yeah, he comes in at number five for them. He gets pretty good grades across everything. 60 grade fastball, 50 on his curve, change, and his control. Sliders above average at 55. I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about him, but definitely somebody um, to keep an eye on. It looks like MLB has him listed at double A, so he might have recently been promoted. Um, this is another organization that could use a little bit of depth. The one name that I don't see as really a faller or a riser is Brooks Lee, who was their first overall pick um, last year, eighth overall. He's been just doing pretty average, 265, six home runs, but just somebody I wanted to note. 
But yeah, Rosario is the one name that sticks out to me. I could see him rising pretty fast. I, I see a couple of industry people mention him here and there, but uh, I'll, uh, outside of those, um, Raya and Rosario are the ones I'm looking forward to. Let's move on to some of the fallers. And the first one, Emmanuel Rodriguez has had an up and down season. Then we have Connor Prelip, the pitcher. I think he was a first rounder as well. And then Simeon Woods Richardson, who actually got called up earlier in the year and now is back down. So Matt, what are you seeing with these guys? Yeah, Rodriguez is industry darling, right? This is a guy that's 20 years old at high A, outfield prospect, big time power. Uh, you see it in the in the data as well. I mean, he he really has the opportunity to be an impact bat at the major league level problem that I've seen over a year and a half of kind of watching him and and really hoping for development so that I could grab him and, and have a you know a superstar prospect is the inability to be consistent and to make contact betting 211 this season 10 home runs 422 slug but a 40 percent strikeout rate and as you said it's been up and down season uh there was a wrist injury in there as well so you know these numbers we have to kind of take for what they are I think what we're going to be looking for is a second half um, gauge and, and filtering out the season so we can really tell is Rodriguez on the up and up? Is he ready for double A? Has he moved past this wrist, this wrist injury? But for me at midseason, he is definitely a faller because you're talking about a guy that I expected to be a top 20 prospect at midseason. Um, Connor, uh, how do we pronounce it? Uh, pre, I call pre-lip? it pre-lip. Okay. Um, didn't know anything about Connor Prelip. This is an Alabama starter that was taken in uh, the second round, actually. He did fall in the he draft. Was, yeah, he was projected to be mid-first round. Yep. So I was surprised when he went um, in the second round. But, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, and I, I think that's probably why he fell in the second round is because he just hasn't performed. There's been arm discomfort. He was shut down. He pitched June 9th. Since June 9th, we have no update on what's actually going on with this kid and while looking through some of his numbers in his profile I mean he's a 70 grade slider 60 grade fastball like you're talking about a guy that we could immediately comp to an Andrew Abbott type style from the left side and we may never get an opportunity to really get excited about him because we just don't know what's going on and anytime you just attach arm discomfort after a guy has already had Tommy John it's like is is he done uh, so he's going to be a faller for me. I think this is a name I'm absolutely going to monitor, though, because, again, being a left-handed pitcher at 22 years old, if he can get healthy, this is a name that could rise up uh, ranks fast because I think we're going to see immense strikeout numbers in the minor leagues if we if he can get back on the mound. And then wrapping up the uh, Minnesota Twins, Simon Woods Richardson, you know, we were excited about him and his pitch uh, mixed data early in the year. It has gone absolutely south for him. 727 ERA, 12 games, 52 innings, 41 strikeouts. Just nothing looks good in his slash line. Again, 22 years old, AAA. I don't know what's going on with Richardson. I liked him with the Blue Jays. I was interested in him as depth in Dynasty to begin the season, and I'm telling you right now, he's probably also outside of my 250. Yeah, I never really liked Woods Richardson just because his fastball never – had the velocity. I don't think he ever threw faster than 95. And I'm just looking. It looks like he averaged 91 only last year. So 
when you don't throw that fast, you're not going to have the greatest production unless you have some sort of deception. And I don't think that's in his profile. He's more so known for his secondaries and relying on them. So, I mean, maybe he, he needs to rely on his command and locate his pitches. If you miss middle middle with a 91 mile an hour fastball, you're going to get taken deep for a homer. So that's just unfortunate for Simeon Wood Richardson. I don't ever see him as a starter. Definitely a middle reliever in low leverage situations, I think, is the ceiling for him. And as far as fantasy goes, I don't think we need to talk about him much. So with that being said, let's move on to the final team for the AL Central, and that is going to be the White Sox. We've got more risers than we do fallers. So we'll go through the first four. The first one we have for you is Colson Montgomery. Then Oscar Colas, who actually got called up today as of this recording, which is July 3rd. Then we have Tim Elko, third baseman. And then Abraham Nunez. Matt, break down these guys for us. Yeah, and this has kind of been a running joke for us, and I think the industry as well. You know, who's got the worst, you know, organizational depth and what's the worst minor league system? And I was kind of under the impression that it was the White Sox until we really took a look at uh, the AL West last week. And then diving a little deeper last night into the organization, like I actually like Montgomery, you know, very small sample size this year. Uh, and I don't think level for play is something that we can gauge, but 60 um, hit tool, 55 power batting 353, one home run, 10 games really like the mechanics of, of Montgomery. I think there's also opportunity for him to rise quickly, knowing that Tim Anderson has been hurt and is getting a little bit older, maybe aging out of that shortstop position and sliding over to second base. I think we see Montgomery 2025. I think this is an all-around profile for me, probably a 2015 guy with the ability to hit around 270, 280 with you know high upside of possibly a 300 average and maybe at his peak 30 home runs. I think that's you know maybe shooting a little high, but I think it's possible. Oscar Colas is definitely underwhelmed at the major league level to start the season, sent back down, kind of got his mojo back, batting 293, 508 slug, nine home runs. This isn't a player that I've been too excited about, still not overly excited about, but when you're talking about playing time, you're talking about pops, possibly injecting a little bit of life into your fantasy team. I think in five outfielder leagues, I would be willing to take a shot on Colas um, now that he's going to get another opportunity. Um, Tim Elko, Really like this. Underlying numbers are great. 333 ISO, 296 average, 18 home runs. Caveat to that is 24 years old in high A. Definitely overplaced with the age. This is a third base prospect. And it's funny, Richie, he reminds me a lot of Berger. Um, And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts because we already can't get Jake Berger playing time. I don't know that they'll be playing time for Elko anytime soon. What do you think? Yeah, I don't see it unless there's some trades going on and Jake Berger's a part of it. Um, you also have Yoan Moncada still there, at least for now. Um, when he is healthy, he definitely surplants Jake Berger. So he's third in the pecking order for sure at the at minimum. I'm trying to look. They also have Brian Ramos at double A. He could be ahead of him in the pecking order. He's batting 269 in double A. So I think he's a, a ways away, at least at the hot corner well and i think my thoughts too is like we need to see what some of these organizations do with the deadline i think elko is the perfect example of a guy that gets playing time in an organization that has completely decided to rebuild um i think the white Sox probably need to make that decision right we've talked at length off the air about 
You know, do they trade Cease? Do they trade Robert? Do they trade Eloy? Like this core is not going to allow them to win. It's time to move on. It's time to rebuild and start over. And a guy like Elko's think about the Washington Nationals and Joey Manessis. Like he's the guy that, you know, isn't the sexy name, but when you look at his actual player profile three months into the season, you're like, wow, he actually could have been pretty useful on my fantasy team because no one's talking about this team. Um, I think Elko probably at 24 is probably in the bigs by 26. You know, again, similar to Berger, going to have to fight for opportunities with the way this current roster stands, but he's crushing high A right now. Um, and then the last name on the list is a DSL guy. You know, I love that. Um, Abraham Nunez, outfielder, 17 years old. 53 plate appearances, three home runs, four stolen bases, batting 302. Again, DSL, we have very limited information, but this is another name to monitor. And you could be talking about possibly a top 10 organizational prospect this time next year if he can develop. Yeah, a lot with those young guys. You just got to give it time and see how they develop. I definitely like watching if they make it to the Arizona Fall League and get a little bit more information on that. Matt, I only had one faller, and that was Yolku. Well, I can't even say it. Yoliqui <laughs> Cespedes, the younger brother of Joanna Cespedes, and he's 25. He was signed two years ago at 23, but with his age at Double A, he's betting 192 with seven home runs. This is somebody I was really excited about a couple of years ago when he originally signed, and I thought he'd be up in the majors by this time last year. And I thought he'd definitely for sure be at AAA by this time this year at a minimum. And his floor has been so low compared to what I expected that I'm just so disappointed in him. I don't think he can ever rebound, especially with his age. And I don't know if we ever see him in the major leagues. Um, curious what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, my concern was age for signing. Uh, I think he signed at 23. My thought was, you know, he's already up against the wall because from a prospect perspective, we were going to possibly see him at 25, uh, a little bit shorter, if I remember correctly, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, didn't have the same body type as his brother, graded out with a plus arm. The hope was plus power as well. Contact was in question. And everything that they had profiled him as has caused him to struggle. And it's really unfortunate because when you look at this organization, Everything changes from the lens of perspective if they don't trade Fernando Tatis. Their inability to sign international prospects outside of Tatis has really left them in the position they are. And trading James Shields or trading for James Shields and giving up Tatis has really highlighted their inability to, to develop these players. And I think you just look at Colas and you look at Cespedes is the two names that really stand out for me. And it's why I'm not so high on Colas, because it just doesn't seem to be something that they're good at, which is developing. Um, but yeah, Cespedes was always going to be a guy that I just wasn't buying. And if I was wrong, I was wrong. If you know, if you're familiar with the Victor Mesa, Mesa Jr. brothers, very similar in profile to those guys. When they came over, I just was like, I just I don't believe it because of the age. Yeah, another faller that I have was Christian Menya, uh, or Menya. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. He was uh, a 20-year-old at AA, signed in 2019. He did make it to AA, so that's impressive in its own right, but he does carry a 5.53 ERA. He does have the strikeout upside with 92 Ks and 68 in a third innings. I think we might have mentioned him once or twice before on the MLB or MILB Players of the Week, um, but with that ERA... 
his walk rate 35 and 68 so almost a walk an inning or every other inning so i'd like to see a development um hopefully bring that era down um anything you want to mention on christian Mena? yeah I, I didn't know where to list him um because the underlying numbers kind of tell me why he's been struggling he gave 12 home runs this year and when I looked at his ERA, I was like, okay, it's probably a big reason as to why you're getting shelled, right? Love the strikeouts. Walks concerned me. 20 years old at the level he's at. I was like, there are so many things that I can overlook, but I also can't underlook. So he kind of got caught in between risers yeah. and fallers. And but I was we like, we needed some more fallers for yeah, the White no, Sox. So it I falls agree. right into this boat. Um, and when we talked about him earlier in the year, I don't think his ERA was where it is. I think he was no. probably sitting at like a three. He was at like three, high yeah. threes, I think it was. So and we were excited. Um, but he's 20. So, you know, there are some pieces in this organization to be interested in. Uh, I got a couple more notable names I'll list off. Um, Cole uh, Simus, right handed pitcher. High A, 23 years old, 12 games, 56 innings, 77 Ks. Also a higher ERA. Didn't list his ERA because it's probably not good. Uh, Given up five home runs, unlike Mina, 12.3 K per nine. 23 years old again, a little bit older for age level. Um, Tristan Stavers, right-handed pitcher, 24 years old, high A. This is a reliever. 26 innings, 39 Ks. Again, a guy that's going to be bullpen specific. And then Shane Murphy, 22 years old, A ball, 275 ERA. Uh, let's see here, 65 strikeouts, and I want to say 55 innings. I have five innings listed. If you struck out 65 batters in five innings, you should probably <laughs> just go straight to the majors. Uh, I don't have that, but I can tell you that um, Cole Simus or Seamus does have a 5.75 ERA at high A. Yep. So. Um, I don't have Shane Murphy's here. Well, and Seamus, um, Seamus's K per nine is nice. Again, age to level is important. Um, and I would just have to assume that he's going to also be a bullpen arm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little early to tell, especially with being in those lower levels. But if you're a starter, I still think there's hope and I don't want to classify you there. But having said that, that is all uh, that we have for the AL Central, unless you had anything else you wanted to mention, Matt. Uh, uh, I, I mean, you know, quickly, in your in your eyes, rate them one through four. What's that? Their risers, or you know, just kind of just what we talked about today in, in terms of like what you're excited about. Um, you know, this isn't an organizational rating, but when we're talking about risers and fallers. Let's, I guess, highlight the risers. Who are you most excited about one through four? One through four. Yeah, I would probably be most interested in Colson Montgomery. The one thing I didn't even mention was, and I wanted to ask you because now that we're bringing him back up again, is last year he went from low A to high A to double A. Now, granted, he might have just gotten extra playing time because those lower levels end their seasons before double and triple A. So making it to double A for 14 games, he at 146. My worry or question is for all of 2023, he's sitting at rookie ball where he didn't even, he played at low A, high A, and double A all of last year. So why is he back at rookie ball, which he hasn't been there since 2021? Um, While we were podcasting or recording, I should say, I didn't find anything off the top of the bat. Maybe it is he's switching positions and trying to learn. Um, But I, Long term, Colson Montgomery is definitely the one I like the most. Who uh, who are you asking me about here? Colson Montgomery. 
Oh yeah, that was an issue I had as well. I I assumed it was injury based. Um, he's possibly going to complex to just shake off the rust. Uh, I I don't have the answer for that, and I I don't know that the organization knows what the hell they're doing. It, it, has, it has only been ten games, so I don't want to look too much into it. Um, but yeah, it, that'd be something interesting to know. This this is an organization that should be selling off. Um, whatever you've been doing over the past few years has not been working for you. Get rid of Lucas Giolito. Dylan Cease, you could get a package for. I still think he has two or three years left, and there are plenty of teams out there looking for pitching. Um, who else do they have? Lance Lynn. Get rid of him. Get rid of all of them. Um, you can roll the dice with some of these other guys. Tank, hopefully you get a better spot in the lottery for the 2025 draft. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Well, but you definitely need to re you have replenish Liam this too, prospect, yeah. right? Like you, you have a lot of pieces that you could you could really go after complex and DSL guys, um, and and just build this plethora of young talent that's three to four years away, and, and just hope that you hit, you know. And I think the same thing can be said for the Guardians as well. Like we obviously know that they have the young arm talent coming through but it's like okay are you going to move bieber are you going to be competitive over the next two years where class a you know it matters or do you make class a available and all of a sudden you're bringing in two to three blue chip prospects i don't think the twins are in the same position right they're kind of caught in this like three to four year window they've got the pitching they signed correa like they don't necessarily need to start selling off pieces and then the tigers are in full rebuild so Two of the four teams in this division need to be looking at bringing in assets and starting starting to develop their minor leagues because, especially with the Indians, like you need these hitters to be ready in three years. They have to be ready to start making an impact. The White Sox on the other side, you can blow everything up and have this be a five-year roadmap. I think in a lot of ways that's an easier situation because you're not rushing these hitters to develop so that they can perform for your good high-end starting pitching which is why it makes complete sense for the guardians to give up Shane Bieber and get somebody like if Shane Bieber doesn't go to the reds or Orioles, I don't know what's wrong with the guardians, reds and Orioles because they have the hitters to replenish that guardians offense as far as prospects go. And both those teams need help as at pitching. I mean, it makes the most sense and why wait till the end of the trade deadline to make a move like that? Like, we should be oh, seeing something man. happen right now. The last and thing that's... I want to see is, like, Novell Marte or CES or Jordan Westberg in, in Cleveland. Please, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> like well, I think Colton Kowser would be nice. I think that would be a good fantasy addition to us and to them. Yeah. Yeah, it has yet to be seen. Hopefully, by the time we get to the AL east prospect edition we can be talking about some sort of these trades i think that wraps us up for the al central prospects um this next weekend is the mlb draft so for our next show we will definitely be breaking down our favorite picks what we thought was most surprising who are some players that we want to look at for fantasy and then after that we'll break down probably the NL Central in two weeks for you guys. Hopefully we have some MLB trades that have gone down by then because that's the one thing that we are waiting for. But until then, everybody, make sure you watch the MLB draft this Sunday. I think it's July 9th. Sounds right. Yeah. 
But until then, we will talk to you guys later.